Hey there, and welcome to episode number 59 of Become a Guitarist Today with myself, Adam Roach. Now in this episode, I am joined by Teresa Topaz. We find out how she first started playing guitar in the writing songs, recording, and her latest jam with Steve Vai at the Big Mama Jammer Jamathon. So that jam went for 52 hours and included artists like Steve Morse, Alda Miola, uh, the Lee Rittner Band, uh, Doug Pinnock, who was actually one of my guests on the podcast a while ago from King's X, and lots more people. So that was a really interesting and great for Teresa to actually be part of that as well. And all the money raised from the Jamathon went straight to the, the charity of the Extraordinary Families, which apparently Steve Vai has got a lot to do with as well. So let's go over to the interview now with Teresa Topaz and find out exactly how she first started playing guitar and why she started playing guitar. I started singing when, when I was about six years old. And uh, I remember the first time I heard a Les Paul being played between Jimmy Page and Slash. And I just said, whatever that sound is, I want that. And they, my parents probably waited till I was about 11, 12 years old before I got my first electric. And then it was just all downhill from there. So some people, you know, just gravitate towards music so intensely that someone like for me, uh, there wasn't a plan B. So when you first started playing, did you get into the reading or just learning songs straight away? You know, the first thing I did was I came home with this little Squire Strat and I sat down with Nirvana's Nevermind and I learned it from start to finish. Okay. And I slept with my guitar for like a couple of weeks because I was so excited I finally had a guitar. But I, just anything I could do to figure out, you know, how to make those notes sound complementative from one to another. And, you know, I was self-taught. Yeah. Um, I had maybe two lessons to learn a few chords, but that's it. Everything else was on me. So it was just gluing my ear to a boombox and listening to songs on repeat, trying to figure out how to play them, and then starting to write my own material at 14. So Oh, wow. So self-taught. I did it opposite. I did the album first and then learned theory. So Okay. <laughs> it, it shows you when you really do listen to yourself how much you intuitively do know with music. Yeah, oh, for sure. So teaching yourself then going through the chords and notes, did you do that at the same time or was it just more the, just the, the note playing? The, the only thing I was, the only thing that someone showed me was chords. Like I, I played D funny because again, self-taught, I knew A, C, G and uh, you know, th- that was about it. And then I kind of just figured out the rest yep. and then tried to mimic what I heard in songs, what sounded that they worked well together. And then I got into the world of alternate tunings and that just messed me up. <laughs> <laughs> And do a lot of fun when it comes to open tunings and you know kind of the sky's the limit of what kind of chords you can create and how many open chords sound really amazing sustained or just different tunings can be a lot of fun so i ask a lot of people this when if they're self-taught did you ever like just say two or three years later go back and like fix things up that you you, you self-taught yourself wrong like just say like oh, chord shapes and things like that yeah, well i never corrected the way i hold d because it's uh-huh. just too familiar to me now but yeah <laughs> I, I, I really do encourage every musician, even if you're self-taught, to learn theory down the line because it's important to know what you're doing and why things work well together yep. versus just guessing. And it makes you more of a lethal musician. So there was a lot of bad habits. I was mm. holding the guitar incorrectly, slouching over, thumbs wrapped around the yeah. neck and, <laughs> you know, just improper things that I'd learned because I didn't know any better. So yep. it it does take twice the amount of time to undo something that yep. you've already learned from muscle memory. But, uh, you know, however people get their start into music, it's, it's, I do encourage them to know the theory and, and the reasons why arrangements work well together and 
why certain chord structures work well together because it just makes it makes it more fun that way. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had a few people come to me because I'm a guitar teacher. That's my full time job. I've had some people, you know, self taught. Like after maybe two years, they might come to me. Yeah, and that's probably the main thing I see is like yeah, chord fingerings and things like that. You know, they might have a different way of doing it, and um, mm-hmm. you know, just like little things like that they they pick up. Uh, but once they get the real way, they think, ah, oh, it's so much easier. Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, this is how it's supposed to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So did you do bands in high school? I did, actually. Um, I, uh, I did a lot of theater, did a lot of uh, uh, choir. Um, we actually, in my when I got a little older, towards, uh, I think, about ninth grade, we didn't have a band, so I, I grabbed four guys and created one. Okay. <laughs> we did, you know, Guns N' Roses and Metallica songs and ACDC and mm. everyone else's, you know, it, it, everyone has their style of music that they gravitate towards, so... Um, so yeah, I did everything from Oklahoma Sound of Music to ACDC. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> when you were in the, the bands at high school, were you playing guitar and singing as well? Yes, yeah. guitar and playing uh, lead and rhythm, or excuse me, lead and vocalizing at the same time. Which is for a child, it can be a little yeah, you know, <laughs> that's right, hard to get those that that muscle memory down. But once you do get it, it's I think it's important for singers to also play instruments as well. Yeah. So. From there, from the, the high school days, you pretty much went into the, the music scene, I guess? Life kind of takes you different patterns. I was supposed to go to Berklee School of Music, and um, I, life took me in a different direction. And I, uh, I, you know, I did go to college, but there wasn't too much of a music program in where I went. So, mm. you know, generally don't need a degree to be a professional musician. Yeah. So I just kind of went straight into it, and I've been writing ever since. And uh yeah, it, it's. I appreciated all the other courses, but you know, when you know that music is your life, that's you have to follow that path. And you said you started writing what since age of fourteen? Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yeah, that's excellent. So you got a, a big catalog of original songs in. A lot of original songs. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I focus so much on the originals. I forgot to learn some covers to play with other people <laughs> <laughs> down the road. But um, I, I think it's so important for people to continue writing original music mm. and you know it's wonderful to be able to pull a couple songs of other artists that you love in your set as an appreciation to show where your roots come from but mm. for me I want to hear what comes from a musician's heart what comes from here yeah. and it's I think it's very important to support original music because that's that's our new wave of music yeah. so um but yeah so when you start um doing originals did you just record them at home like yeah like a little setup there I had a, well, when I was a kid, I had this little handheld recorder to get ideas down, and I think I got to the point of four different recorders, and I'm still finding ideas from one years ago. Yeah. And I would, you know, everyone, ha, you have um, like literature books just filled around the house with notes and lyrics and ideas and whatnot. So uh, it's just constant. And I'll, I'll pull a lyric from five years ago, and hey, wait, that fits in this song perfectly. And so <laughs> it, it just, it's important to keep every little post-it note or you know, cocktail napkin that you wrote something yeah. down on. You never know when you're going to use it. Yeah. And do you get a lot of your ideas from music first or lyrics or vice versa or whatever comes up? As, you know, it's 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 everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I was writing Aquarians, which is my cinematic kind of rock epic on the last album. And, uh, you know, it was about war and, and human rights. And I read this line in the paper and it was just, it was, you know, just one phrase and it, Next thing you know, I couldn't stop writing. It was 15 minutes later, and I had four pages, which I had to edit. Oh, well. Don't know when it's going to come from it. It can come from a lyric in a song. It can mm. come from just the notes in a song. It can come from a conversation, and someone just makes a gesture or it says one word that can start off on this 
you know, just tangent of, of creativity. So I love it because you never know where it's going to come from. Yeah. And I noticed in your the last album, uh, Reset Me, so you did all the instruments on that. I did. I composed and performed all the instruments, but uh, bass, guitar, we had uh, Mr. Keith Waters, who yeah. uh, played on the entire album. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, that was, that was a fun that was a fun album to put together, and uh, this time moving forward, I, I do have a full rhythm section, so it makes my life a little easier. <laughs> yeah, with the drums, was that like programmed drums, or you actually played the drums? Uh, well, we we had a, a bit of both. We tried actually playing it then, but it, it to the point, you know, when you don't have a full, you know, TD50 really high end studio kit yep. at your fingertips, sometimes you just have to do what you can with writing them in and being yeah. able to, you know, put the grooves where you want them. So. Uh, there are, you know, some tracks are, are MIDI drums, but then I would sit down and add and write or subtract and be able to make that groove flow a little bit better to the, to the way I wanted it to be yeah. portrayed in the song. Yeah, and how did you find that with the drums? I always find that's the, the trickiest part with recording songs, for me, anyway. God, I had a, we interviewed a drummer, and to come over for, actually it was the title track, Reset Me, and he listened to what I wrote. He's like, you wrote this? And I'm like, and I said, yes. And he's like, you're going to need two drummers for this. I can't play this. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> So that one got tailored a little bit for sure, but um, you know, it, it's it's amazing how music has developed with the software. And you know, because yeah. when I was fourteen, that wasn't an option that you didn't really have. I didn't have those finger those tools at my fingertips. So it's amazing to see the evolution of music and and you know the ability of recordings and and what we can do these days with technology. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I mean, I haven't listened to all the album yet, but did do you play keys as well on there? I do, yes. Yeah. Um, so there was, uh, there, there's also a really cool unit that I used on the album. It's called the Fishman Triple Play, okay. and it's a MIDI unit. And so it actually attaches to the base of your guitar, and it, it the pickup itself lays in between the bridge and the bridge pickup. And yeah. so it can actually take the notes that you're playing on the on the guitar and, and transpose it to either any instrument that you want. So a lot of the keys mm-hmm. was actually written on the in, on the guitar, transposed into an organ or a B3 or whatever else I was using at the time. You got the band happening to tour with that album as well. So when I was in, um, I was in Portland. Uh, I'm from California, born yep. and raised, and I was in Portland for two years taking care of family. And my the boys were back here in San Francisco. And sometimes it's it's very hard to find that chemistry when you have that as a group. Yeah, um, musicians that work well together. It's very hard to try to to try to match that basically. So when we were in Portland, a lot of the times I would actually play to the backing tracks. And I would be up on stage with three or four different guitars, and we had a full light show. We have a um, a 12-foot truss system that has an LED color drape, and yeah. it's completely programmed to every hit in the song. So yep. it's quite a show. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I did a lot of was in Portland by myself, but when I have the boys, now that I'm back here in California, it'll always be the group. Uh, excellent. And I noticed you're um, doing a new album at the moment as well. Yes, we're coming very close on it, so I'm very excited. But it's been a, a long time in the making, so we're we're actually going to um, we're going to be releasing a single, then the EP first, okay, uh, and that will be this year, uh, and then next year will be the full album. So, uh, yeah. and then we've got Nam coming up in January, so I think shortly after that we'll be book, we'll have shows following up. So is that the same type of material, like a bit of everything? Because I noticed, like from the last album, you got a lot of different styles in there. 
it's a lot of different styles. And I think, you know, it's important for, um, it's hard, as a musician, when you listen to such a wide catalog of, of music, mm. it's, you know, you hear so many different influences coming through. So this, this album is much more honed in on rock and roll. So I've kind of really just revisited and really honed in on my roots as yeah. a musician. So it's just really rock and blues all day long. Oh, cool. So there's still some unusual elements that'll, that'll be, you'll hear in the album that are just kind of me as an artist, but it's really honed in on just, you know, me as a musician, where I come from, and, and it's much more rocky, this one. Yeah. So well, excited. Yeah, I look forward to hearing that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so who are your main influences? Oh, God, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, it, it really it varies between different instruments versus artists, but I would have to say, you know, definitely Led Zeppelin. Uh, Guns N' Roses is a big one for me. That was my first favorite band when I was six years old. You know, uh, Bob Dylan for lyrics and just poetry. I was grateful enough to have everything from Cole Porter, Ella Fitzgerald from my dad's side yeah. to Bob Dylan and Pink Floyd on my mom's side. And then my own influences growing up in the 90s with the grunge era and, and Pearl Jam and Nirvana. So there are artists that I adore and there's also artists that really make you move and, and, and influence you. And I, you know, it, it's such a wide spectrum of different artists that do that for me, even down to the picking patterns of Django Reinhardt and Gypsy Jazz. I mean, yeah. those inflections you can actually bring into your own acoustic trills or on your Les Paul, it doesn't matter what you're playing, yeah. you can absorb that influence from different styles of music. So, um, God, B.B. King, I mean, Eric Clapton, you know, these greats of that have tickled our ears to you know, bring us those vibrations on a, on a daily basis. So yeah. just those to name it a few, you know, and <laughs> yeah. I, I remember when I was growing up with vocals, a big one for me was Tori Amos. Okay. And she just, I, I mean, I sung, I knew every word to every song that she sung and I got to the point where I sung her so well, it was hard to tell the difference. So <laughs> it took a, a little bit of time to kind of redefine on, on my particular tone. And I think that's one one big piece of advice that I can give to other artists is don't get swallowed up by your influences, just learn from them. No, very good, very good advice. Uh, um, now, going over to the Big Mama Jamathon. Oh, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't watch all of it, of course, you know, 52 hours. So. <laughs> but I yeah, saw, <laughs> yeah, I saw a lot of it. Um, how did that come about, like getting into that? Oh, so, um, well, I played with uh, Steve back in January at the Hard Rock Hotel, and uh, there was another amazing musician at, there at the time, uh, Larry Mitchell, uh, and he let me know that the event was going on and invited me to come down yep. and play with him, Steve, and uh, I'm, I'm just in San Francisco. I'm born and raised in L.A., so I'm not that far. I was only a few hours yeah. away, so <laughs> it was kind of last minute, but how can you turn something like that down? <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, it was such an, it was for an amazing cause. It was for the charity Extraordinary Families who help foster children in need. And mm -hmm. Steve's actually on the board of the charity. And so he put together this amazing event. It was literally 52 hours of nonstop music. Yeah. It, I, I felt bad for the band that had to play from four to seven in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. That's when I got to see because our times are different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the scheduling is when you have that many acts in one building, it's like a wedding. Nothing ever goes to plan. But everybody had such a great, great attitude about it. No one was stressed. Everyone was just there to play and have fun. And, you know, I mean, the, the roster of musicians, when I was backstage, you know, Benacourt, Stephen mm. Adler from Guns N' Roses, Doug McLeod, the day before, there, I mean, John Five was there. 
uh, Orianthi, Nina Strauss, Moby. I mean, the roster was just ridiculous. Ronnie Lee, Larry Mitchell. And it was just nice to see all these musicians coming together for such a great cause. So uh, it it went over very well. I believe the auction closed this past weekend. Okay. Um, and they raised quite a bit of money for the charity. So, oh, and I, I think overall the streams reached over a million views oh, for wow. Facebook. So that's excellent. It was a lot of fun. So, and it, it, the, the stage, they, I mean, they had it set up. It was like a music store on stage. You could pick any amp you wanted and yeah. everything was dialed in. It was like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. So. <laughs> so were you there for a lot of the day? I got down to LA and probably into the event about four o'clock. I, we, I thought it was going to go on about like 7.30 and then it kind of everything. You know, everyone's doing what they can to make sure the schedule runs on time. So, yeah. uh, and then my friend Ronnie Lee from the Runaways was coming up from uh, San Diego, and her spot was much later in the evening. So we were there till about three thirty in the morning. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. It was a long day. Yeah, 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 yeah. what a thing. going to be released you know Uh, from what i've heard is that they're probably going to compile you know some of the highlights of the event and put it together for a a, you know release on a i don't know if they're going to do a video version or dvd or cd release or whatnot but um i I know that something is in the works in order to recap from all of the amazing moments of the event so and they they are talking about doing it on a a, there's the idea of doing it on a yearly basis so we'll see but this was the first time and the yeah. building was brand new, and it was it was really it was very well done. Yeah. So, and everyone just was supporting, supportive, and had a really great time. And it was just it was a really wonderful thing to be able to play with Steve again. Oh, that's excellent. So, you said you had that. Uh, was it the Name Show 2017? You did 17, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I play every year. So, oh, do you? Yes, yeah. This will be my third time coming back, and uh, uh, you know, it's just going to be even bigger and more people this year because that new hall opened up last year. Oh, okay. And I believe, you know, we have pedometers on our, our belts and we were walking about 10 miles a day. That's how big it is. Gee. And the, the new hall is where they have all of the, you know, um, audio, um, uh, any type of, you know, uh, microphone, you know, stage gear, things like that, Mackie, Shore, Roland. Yeah. Uh, but it's just such an amazing experience to be part of NAMM and especially be to to be a performer every year, especially on different, there's different platforms and there's music everywhere. And yeah. it's just, if you're a musician, you're in heaven because yeah. it's all new gear for the next year and everybody's there. So you're never going to know who you're standing next to at NAM. No, I'd love to get to one, one day. One day. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit of a plane ticket for you. <laughs> yeah. So you're recording the new album now and uh, got the, the other band happening. So anything else you got going at the moment? Well, um, there's a lot of companies I work with. So um, there, there's a company called Ultimate Ears Pro. Uh, they do my in-ears. Yep. Uh, they're a phenomenal company. They, they help millions of musicians do their job better. And uh, they've created a mentor program. So it's kind of like a master class. And it's advice from musicians to up-and-coming artists. Okay. And you know, just giving them you know some tips and tricks and and. Uh, that's in the works right now. I believe that everything will be up and running with them towards the end of the year. So there's just, you know, these are amazing companies that help us and we wouldn't be able to do what we do without them. So, um, basically we've got, uh, you know, the album 
wrapping up towards the end of the year and then uh, a lot of plannings with shows coming up and promotion for the album. So right now I'm not really doing any, sh the, the Vi event was kind of an excuse to, you know, get away for a moment, but I really haven't been doing any shows since we've been working so hard on the album. Oh yeah, for sure. You got to stay yeah. focused. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's understandable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and now you've got a lot of endorsements, haven't you? I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had a look I at do, that. I yeah, I, well, I just um, actually uh, recently I just got pulled on. I'm now an endorsing artist with Mongami Cables, and they're a phenomenal company. That's all we use in our studio. So, mm. and then the Ultimate Ears event as well, um, Ernie Ball. Those are just some of the more recent ones in the last couple of weeks. So, oh, okay. I, again, it's relationships with companies that you know, without them, I couldn't do my job. So it's we're all here to support one another in the music industry. So it's just it's another way of being able to say thank you. Yeah, that's right. Definitely look forward to hearing the new album, so hopefully we'll get that. So that'll be available on iTunes, I guess? Correct, yes. Yeah. Um, we'll be having the, the single release first, and then the, the EP will be right behind it. And then uh, it'll be available on all major major streaming sources, iTunes, Spotify, um, Amazon. I'm also uh, distributed with Barnes & Noble, as well as Whole Foods here in the States in select stores. So yep. um, probably more streaming services, you know, with the way that the record industry has been going with, <laughs> yeah. you know, Someone gave me a CD yesterday to listen to their band, and I got home and realized I'm like, okay, I'm ready to pop. I don't have a CD player. Yeah, that's right, exactly right. Yeah. I have to go find a CD player to listen to the album. So it's, you know, we've gone a different direction, and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited yeah. to see where we're headed, you know, with music because it's life is all a matter of perception. Yeah. And you just got to make, try to figure out how to art, outsmart the system. So, yeah, that's right. But uh, we definitely will be doing vinyl for the full album, though. That's. Okay. You can't kill vinyl. It's never going to go away. It's always yeah. going to sound the best out of any type of format. So, yeah. uh, But for the single and the EP, it'll be digital downloads. I mean, I'll put your, your link in the, the show notes about your, the website. Uh, is that the best way that people get in contact with you and check out all the music? Yeah, the website um, and then also uh, you know social media links, which are all accessible through the main page of the, of the website as well. So they're yeah. all right there on the you can just click onto Facebook or Instagram or whatnot, but that's the best place. Everything's updated, and uh, you know, as soon as shows are available or the the albums available, then it'll be blasted. Yeah. So, thanks very much again, and I yeah really appreciate your time for doing this for me. Oh, of course. Thank you very much for uh, having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hopefully, I'll talk to you real soon. Sounds good. And thank you so much. And you have a fantastic day. You too. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye bye. Bye. So I hope you guys enjoyed the interview with Teresa. And make sure you listen out for a new album coming out, hopefully real soon. And join me next week for my interview with Martha from Musician. We find out a bit more about the, the behind the scenes of Musician and how it all works there in Finland. Another big thank you to my sponsors, Custom Guitar Picks and Living Music in Greensboro. So you can see their links in my show notes for this podcast. So I hope you can join me next week. So until then, keep jamming.